0: Welcome to another episode of People With Purpose. Uh, today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tara Halliday, uh, who is uh, an author and an imposter syndrome specialist, uh, therapist, uh, a worth coach, uh, and also a neurofeedback trainer um, who, uh, who who trains trainers to be able to, to, to do that. Uh, so hopefully we'll find out what that means. Uh, so, uh, So Tara, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, David. Pleasure to be here.
0: Really, really good to see you and, and to hear your voice. And, and so, so whereabouts in the world are you?
1: I'm in Cheltenham in the Cotswolds in England. Beautiful. And it's beautiful green rolling hills, your classic English countryside. It's lovely here.
0: Yeah, lovely. Lovely. Yeah. It's a very, very nice part, part of the world. It's um one of those kind of places that I suppose you've you've got you've got the hills and and uh, but you've also got sort of green valleys nearby as well, haven't you? So the best yeah. of best of both worlds from that point of view. Lovely. Very nice. Very nice. And and what are you working on at the moment?
1: So currently I am in the middle of editing, ready for publication, my new book. So I've got a book called Outsmart Imposter Syndrome, and I'm just waiting to hear back from the editors after they've had a first go at (laughs) chopping it up and improving it. So yes.
0: And is is it a big book or is it a workbook? What kind of book is it?
1: Um it's a it's a business book so it's it's you know not an academic book you know so it's not like a a, a doorstop or something it's a, it's one that it's an easy read but it's, it's still a good size yeah cool. cool and um and the idea is that people who uh, believe they have imposter syndrome which is um feeling like a fraud when you're not you know high achievers get this self doubt that maybe they're not quite good enough despite all the success That showing that they have. So, this is a book for people who have this. And the book is basically presenting a radical new approach to eliminating imposter syndrome, which a lot of people didn't even think you could do. I think you have to live with it. And um, it's completely based on um, science, including neuroscience. And it addresses the root cause of imposter syndrome. So, I'm very excited to get that out into the world.
0: Sounds amazing. So, I've got a bit of a. Um, I mean, you've kind of answered about four of my questions in that in that opening paragraph. So, so, so well done. This that's pretty, pretty much. Uh, but, um, but so, imposter syndrome is one of those things which um, I think the phrase was first coined quite a while back. But it's grown massively in in profile and popularity, hasn't it? As popularity, what a weird way to describe imposter syndrome as being a popular yeah. thing. Yeah. But, but it's kind of gone up in profile, hasn't it? So, what's driving that? Do you think?
1: So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was first identified back in 1978. And um, if you did a a Google search on um, search terms, the search term imposter syndrome, you'd see it was kind of flat, flat, flat since 2004 when they started it, which is just academics, basically. And then in 2005, it started becoming more and more known on um, in you know, the internet and in publication, media, more and more people were starting to talk about it. Mm. What specifically drove that? I don't know. Uh, other than it's another one of these things, it's just an awareness. Um, many many of the people I work with, they say, I've kind of had this going on. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know what it was called. So there's still a lot of people going through that discovery and only just now coming across imposter syndrome, but it, it's really only been talked about much in the last eight years
0: mm. and what's the difference between imposter syndrome and just having low confidence
1: um, low confidence would show up everywhere in your life so if you had low confidence then you'd unlikely to be very successful because you wouldn't have the confidence to do that. Um, imposter syndrome is people who are, they feel confident in themselves and yet, and they get to a high level, they're high achievers, they get successful. And yet they still have this doubt that they're not quite good enough. And it can be quite narrow. It can be narrowed to just their work. It can narrow to even just one part of their work. And um, yeah, so it's not, a lack of confidence at all but it does feel like it it feels like you've suddenly lost your mojo
0: mm, mm. it's interesting because i suppose part of the reason why I, I asked that question was because that's sort of sometimes how you how you see it sort of manifest itself so maybe i'm looking at the symptom rather than the the the, the 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 cause would that be fair to say
1: yeah it's exactly it so so there are there are the there are three th- three symptoms that you see and then there's a root cause, which is unconscious, which means you don't see it, and that's a lot of the confusion around imposter syndrome. Is people don't see what the root cause is, so they all they see is the symptoms, and the symptoms are the imposter syndrome thinking, thinking I'm not quite good enough. Um, I got this great job, but maybe I just got lucky. <laughs> Someone hired me by accident. You kind of not identifying with those, um, their success, that triggers the nervous system and makes people stressed so people get anxious they get overwhelmed uh, they go they they go into the fight flight and free states your body's really reacting and then From there, they try to cope with that stress with certain behaviour patterns. And that could be perfectionism, over-preparing, comparing, not speaking up enough, um, avoiding promotions, deflecting praise, all those kinds of things. So you've got this cycle of these three symptoms that continue to feed one another.
0: Okay, so that that sounds like it 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 might be quite difficult to work out if it's something that you're suffering with.
1: Yeah. Everyone experiences it in a different way. Um, but the underlying thing, uh, feeling is you're feeling not quite good enough and you don't really connect with the success that you have. It's feeling like uh, that's not really me. Mm. So that's, that's that kind of, well, that's that self doubt.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, I, uh, I got so I got some feedback from somebody the other day uh, to because because I, uh, I well I I won an award and uh, and I wasn't expecting to win an award and so and it was it was you know lovely it was really 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 nice uh, and uh, and yeah really good recognition and and, and all of that it was, it was it was fantastic I wasn't expecting it and then I didn't really tell people about it mm-hmm. and. Um, Eventually, I, I, did, I, you know, I posted it and, and all of that, but I, I didn't tell a couple of my closer closer colleagues, and they and they found out through a through a social media post, and I kind of got I kind of got told told off by by them for not for not talking about it, and um, so so we what what does that mean then how what what's the kind of situation with me does that is that mean I've got some kind of imposter syndrome there or or have I got something else going on perhaps
1: it's it's possibly imposter syndrome um you'd have to there's a there's a quiz that you can take you can see whether you know it is imposter syndrome or not mm. but that kind of behavior is is um pretty common mm. right you're not not wanting to stand out um and it can be it can be taken as uh, just being humble by people around you. Mm. but uh if you're just humble, you'd kind of feel peaceful about it yeah. whereas um if it's more like imposter syndrome, there's kind of an anxiety, oh I really don't want people finding out, what if they criticize me? what if they tell me I shouldn't have had it? what if they have even higher expectations of me. So now I have to perform at 150% or something like that. So those are the kind of things that, that go through your mind. But mm. yeah, award ceremonies can definitely be a trigger for imposter syndrome on people. Mm. I don't mm. deserve this. I just got it by accident. Maybe somebody paid off the judges. Maybe they were having a bad day. <laughs> How could I possibly? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Cause, that, cause it, because I think I think it probably is just um, it, like I said. I wasn't expect I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. By the way, I didn't come on today expecting trying uh, trying try try you know for some free counselling or whatever. But you know, um, I'm happy if you take me through the quiz if it, if it might help might help might help the listeners to uh, to, to work it through. But uh, but yeah, I, I kind of uh, yeah, it, it's it's just interesting, isn't it? Because cause when you when you hear about the symptoms of a syndrome um, or a phenomena or, or whatever, it kind of does lead you, especially if you're kind of, you know, a curious and inquisitive type person, which I am, uh, to, to kind of question yourself a little bit. And, yeah. and, and so, um, so yeah, so I think, I don't think, I don't think it, it is an imposter syndrome syndrome related thing, but it, um, I do get those situations sometimes where, so say for example, if I walk into a room, and i walk into a room of um of 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 people that are you know very clearly very talented and um you know one two three four five levels kind of further on than me mm-hmm. um potentially i i i i could I could feel quite intimidated going into room like that nobody would know um and uh i would i would go i would go through a process before going into the room of getting myself into the right kind of state to be able to kind of network and talk with and all that kind of thing so um so you know what does that mean does that mean i'm kind of um managing a situation or or aware of something so therefore doing something about it i mean what does that kind of tell you about me
1: i would would say yes i mean comparing is one of the Classic symptoms of imposter syndrome, where you compare yourself with with other people, but you compare yourself with how they successful they look on the outside compared with how you're feeling on the inside. And so it's it's not even a, a valid comparison. But yes, yeah, so I mean, you've got situations like um Neil Armstrong, first man to walk on the moon, getting you know this big black tie event. Why would they invite me? That's the classic one. Yeah. Um, Uh, Meryl Streep, who's won more acting awards than anyone else on the planet, always has this thought before, but when she's starting a new film, why would anyone come and see me? Mm. So it's a a very natural thing. And then what you're doing um, is what's called neuroregulation. Before you went in, you were regulating your nervous system, right? You're getting yourself calm, right? And so that fight, flight and free state, you were calming it down. So it's definitely... Managing it. And, that, and that's actually um, one of the, the hallmarks of uh, um, a transformational leader, according to the Asada Business School in, in Spain. Mm. The, the ability to regulate your nervous system. So, you know, whether you'd learned it or you're just doing it naturally, you were just calming that down. Yeah. Mm. So well- 70% of people, high achievers, experience imposter syndrome. It's a very high number. Yeah, and of the remaining thirty percent, um, from what I've seen, if, you know, a good proportion of those are ones who are just managing it so that it never comes up as a real issue because they're they're, they're managing the symptoms, they're calming their thinking, they're calming their physiology, they're they're you know keeping a, a handle on the imposter syndrome behaviors.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I've been known to, uh, to 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 sort of talk about. Uh, managing your state and uh so emotional uh mental state uh mm-hmm. and 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 because i because I, I, cause I, cause I do see that as one of the key um ingredients of of being successful in in any situation
1: yeah.
0: what do you see as the uh as, as the key ingredients for success
1: the ingredients for success. Well that's so that's a that's a bigger question. Um certainly neuroregulation you know is is high but then you know other terms of success it's um it's commitment it's motivation it's um and I think there's an element of enthusiasm. I think the more you want something the more you're willing to work for it and the easier getting it becomes because you don't have to slog your way through it or force your way through it so you know it's. which then talking about your state it keeps you in a more positive state and so then you're you're naturally more creative you naturally find more um answers to problem solutions to problems and so it's, it's beneficial
0: mm-hmm. interesting yeah because i think sometimes it's difficult to sort of navigate a path through those other areas to get to a point of creativity or the ability to solve problems, make decisions and all that kind of thing Uh, with confidence unless, unless you've You've sort of taken, if you like, the emotion out of it. I mean, it's, what do they say? Never, never, never buy anything when when you're excited, and never, never sell something when you're scared. Don't they? That's that's, that's one thing that I've heard. I can't, can't remember who I heard say that, but that's that's quite an interesting way way of looking at it, uh, because mm. you know, if, if, if emotions are running high in whichever direction uh, when you're about to make a big decision, then um, then that's going to have an impact on the outcome potentially.
1: Absolutely. Well, so there was some research done um, by Princeton University back in 2012, and they were measuring people's behavior when they're in a stressed situation and unstressed. So the same people. And they measured that there was a drop in your IQ by 13 points. Right now, the average is 100. That's just average. And it ranges like 130 to 78. That's kind of the range. So 13 point drop in your IQ. The reason for this is that when your body goes into the fight and flight states and to a certain extent, the free state, um, it redistributes blood in the body. So more blood goes to the muscles to allow you to fight or run away, but it gets taken away because has got to be taken away from somewhere, taken away from your digestive system, taken away from your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain just behind your forehead. And that is the logical thinking and planning part of your brain. So when you're in that highly stressed state, you literally don't have the resources like the blood flow, the oxygen, the nutrients to think as clearly. Mm. And so that's why. So when you're stressed, you're not as creative for that reason. You make poor decisions. You, you're emotionally reactive.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating.
1: There's science behind it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there, there is science. And has there been a similar sort of study into into EQ?
1: Um, not that I'm aware of. Mm. Um however, um the work that I do with with clients to get rid of imposter syndrome, which addresses as the root cause of imposter syndrome um also increases your emotional intelligence mm. so I, I I have a test we do an EQ test at the beginning and at the end and we see how it's changed and that's that's invariably a positive shift mm. Mm. Yeah so it's all it's all related the root cause of imposter syndrome the one that people can't see is a belief that your worth is conditional that is your worth depends on what you do you do something good you are good you do something bad you are bad and when we carry that belief and it's automatic we react from it you know, we're not thinking about it, but we act from it, and that's what gets in the way. So, when you're talking about navigating that pathway in success, one of the things that's getting big time in the way is the belief that your worth is conditional, and it shows up in many high achievers as imposter syndrome.
0: Okay, wow, wow. So, so how do you um, how do you help people then to 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 kind of understand where the the issue is that's causing the uh, the, the imposter syndrome.
1: Well, the, the the issue that's causing it is is the belief in conditional worth, and this actually happens. There's a part in a, a, a child's development between eighteen months and three years old where they're learning um, of themselves. Right? It's called the separation of themselves, where they learn that they're a separate person, they're a separate motivation, they're physically separate, all of that. And children go through that and as they go through that, that would be the ideal time for them to learn that their worth as a human is different from their actions, right? It's about being good versus doing good, yeah? But the vast majority of people, like 99.9999%, don't learn that. And the reason is because our society is, (laughs) is that, right? Our society reinforces it, our society believes it. So, we can't be taught it because people don't know to teach it to us. So that, that's really the problem. So it's not that someone with imposter syndrome had particular um, experiences in childhood. Right? It, it, it's nothing to do with that. It's just that at that natural point where we learn separation, we didn't. So the work that I do with my clients is to change that right and 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 basically develop that and there's a systematic process that starts with neuroregulation to get the brain calm so then when it's calm you can then change it and then we go through changing the belief that is that is that changing it from conditional worth to unconditional worth at a very systematic process it's um science all the way
0: like <laughs> yeah okay and are there sort of specific interventions that you that you use to to take somebody through that
1: yes yes um so uh the process is changing so i'm going a bit into the neuroscience if that's no, okay no i'm, I'm, well,
0: I'm, in, I'm interested in, and i think yeah. i think people will be interested as well because that because it cause it helps to un- uncover some of the stuff that um the, the, you know, it helps you to think about what might be there and then possibly how to go about becoming aware of it in, in a different way. So, yeah, so go go deep. Go as deep okay. as you like.
1: All right, great. <laughs> so there is a part in your brain called the amygdala. Actually, there's two parts. It's um, behind the eyes and uh, in front of the ears. And um, the amygdala is it's like a computer virus checker, right? All the information that comes in through all of your senses and your thoughts goes through the amygdala before it gets to the thinking part of your brain. And the amygdala filters it and it's looking out for danger, right? It's a very um, primal survival mechanism. Right, so there's things that it would respond to, like a tiger in the room, like a snake in the grass, that kind of thing, Um, like a fire, like a um, things we learn, like um, a fast moving car, something like that. So it's all always checking of what is essentially what's safe and what's not safe, right? And unfortunately, the belief in belief in conditional worth is also part of that system, right? So the idea is that you know, back to caveman times, if you like, if you were not approved of, if you were considered bad, if you were rejected, you'd get thrown out of the tribe. And a human in those times could not survive for very long by themselves. So it triggers this primal fear of being rejected, isolation. And we, we don't experience it like that because, again, it's it's unconscious. So what happens is when we believe that our worth is conditional, then suddenly we come, become very vulnerable to what we do, right? Will we be judged? Will we be rejected? Will we be criticized? And what happens is that so we have this core belief, and then we have these experiences, and this is when your personal experience comes into it, your, your experience which seems to conf- um, confirm that you're not, quite good enough that you know you, you you have to be careful and then so you've got these layers and layers of belief that of experiences confirming experience that kind of stack on top and kind of locks it in place mm. right your your brain your brain has an internal model of the world right? and it it doesn't like to change that very often because part of the whole purpose of it is to keep you safe so it can predict what's going to happen next so um when you get all of these confirming experiences then it makes it very very hard to change that belief because it's you know your brain saying no we've got all this evidence right this is true this is this is real mm. so what we have to do is we have to change the way that the amygdala sees some of these confirming experiences and take away the emotional charge because the um the amygdala stores emotional memories, the combination of emotion and, and information. And so we have to remove this charge through a particular letting go process that, um, that, that came out of some of the neurofeedback work that I was doing. Hmm. And so we, um, and when you, and it doesn't need many, right? You don't have to do many. So maybe 15 or 20 of those. And when you do 15 or 20 of those, you kind of release the, stress, the emotional charge around a particular memory, which by itself is useful because you feel a lot more peaceful about, you know, past events and things like that. So it's good. But what it does, it then allows us to change that belief in our conditional worth. Then we start doing the same process, but for how we view ourselves, things that we did wrong, kind of let go of the emotional charge, forgive ourselves for it. And what that leads to is a deep level of self-acceptance. And the self acceptance means that if somebody then comes to you and they're upset, they're angry, they're critical, you don't react, you don't respond. Uh, It's not that you're switching off your emotions, but you don't take it personally. I think that's a better way to do it. So your sense of who you are, your worth, is then independent of what's going on around you. Hmm. And this makes you free, right? This makes you free then to not be worried about taking you know, bigger risks because it's not going to affect who you think you are. It's not going to affect your sense of yourself. And so it leads to this kind of effortless confidence where you forget to doubt yourself. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you just you just get on with it. And life becomes a bit more of an adventure.
0: Mm. Okay. That's that's really, really helpful because um yeah, it so it sounds like people have people have memories and they attach meanings to memories because of this whole thing about everything's conditional and what you do is you help people to kind of go back through those memories and see that there is a different way of looking at them which removes that 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 that, that the, the meaning if you like and changes the meaning of that to something that's much more positive and constructive for that person from a kind of a self belief point of view
1: yes that's exactly it although the way you've described it is very good, but it's got a bit of um, an intellectual. This isn't an, a mindset or intellectual process. Mm. It's done by taking taking your whole system through this emotional process. Because right. the, the, the way to engage the amygdala is, is to um, access the emotional memories. If we're just talking about it, you know, and I don't know saying affirmations in the mirror kind of thing. The yeah. good things to do, but that's going to be all intellectual and it's not going to affect the emotions. And that's that's the secret right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, good. No, that's that's brilliant. And and I uh, forgive me for kind of wanting to play it back to you, but I kind of maybe I speak to think a little bit and uh and, and it just helps. But but that that that's awesome. So in in my in my life then, I've I've kind of I've got two teenage daughters and uh, and I've I've always um encouraged and praised effort rather than results because mm-hmm. I because I, I thought that would be a good thing to do and not put too much pressure on all that kind of stuff. But it still creates this sense of pressure for my for my daughters. So how can I adapt my approach to 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 praise the right things but without creating this sense of pressure in my in my daughters?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So what's gone on? So rather than you saying, you know, that was a good Grade or a bad grade, right? Rather than the judgment on that, which the brain would interpret as "I am good, I am bad" if I get that grade. So rather than than doing that, you've you've praised effort, which you know is great. However, as you say, the pressure is there now. My worth depends on hard work, which means that <laughs> that can lead to um, perfectionism. It can lead to overworking and you know, to, to, to stress and burnout. So it's, it's moving in the right direction, but it's still this, this judgment in there, right? It's still, you're good if you work hard and you're, you know, the implication is you're bad if you don't, right? So what you can do with your daughters is take your judgment away from it. So, so ask them, what did they think of it? Right? You know hey, hey Dad I just I, I I just did this oh I just got this grade on this project okay what what you think about that? you know what did you like about that? What did you enjoy doing you know, uh if you're going to do it again, you know what would you like to do differently um and 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 that allows them to be then be their own uh, in, internal judge of it so that that kind of just helps. Right. There's, you'd have to go deeper to get to the unconditional words, but this, as a parent, is something you can definitely do. And
0: mm, mm. as part of your mission as a parent, it seems to uh, to sky your children in some way. I guess it's, it's just not 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 too deeply, hopefully. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but you know, but yeah, okay, good. Now that's really good advice because I'll, I'll <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll ask more questions rather than making more making more statements. That's good. That's, that's really it. good advice.
1: That's actually nicely put. That's exactly it.
0: Yeah. Cool, cool. So how did you get all into all this then? What's your, what's your story?
1: My story started when I was 13 years old in a careers counseling class, a careers class, and they were basically saying, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And we had all these lists. and I wanted to be a psychologist. I went home and told my mother and she said, "Oh no, you can't do that. No there's no money in that. You should be a computer systems analyst." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> that sounds horrible <laughs> but i was interested you know as a smart kid i was interested in very interested in science and then i saw an advert on tv and i thought okay actually i can do engineering that would be interesting this, this advert was it was um it was a car advert and it had this car and it's a wind tunnel with a smoke blowing over it and it's showing how aerodynamic it was and i'm like looks really cool. I could I could get into that. So I did go on to university then and, and study um, fluid dynamics, you know, aeronautics, and I um, got into engineering. Um, Ten years into my engineering journey, I had this big revelation. I, I went to a workshop with a, 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 a school of therapy, basically holistic therapy. And I was in that and uh, I had this sudden moment where I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right? It's this huge, it's like this big, warm, heavy bubble that just rose up and expanded. It's this very visceral response and it's a sense of relief and all oh, I found it. So that's when I, when I changed. So I went to the school, so they did their job and I, and I trained as a holistic therapist and then started helping people. And that was all great. Um, and the idea is that people would come to me for a little while, and then we'd kind of taper off our sessions, and they'd go off empowered and happier. But some people kept coming back. Now, the scientist and engineer in me—it's like, why? What's going on? Why? <laughs> well, clearly, there's something missing. So I, you know, looked into it, and it was about beliefs. You know, what beliefs? So, kind of scratched the surface with that. And then I came across this um this this coaching method that was all about conditional worth and changing conditional worth to unconditional worth. And it was, you know, it was so powerful. I went through it because I I experiment with everything myself first, right? So I went through it myself and it was. You know, life changing stuff. So then I trained in that. So I was a, a, a trained uh, condition, uh, unconditional worth coach. And then I started working with people. And so that was great. It was going back. And then um, in 2015, 2016, uh, one of my clients said, I've heard about it's imposter syndrome. We're talking about 2015 being that cusp and people just starting to talk about it. So what, what is that? So then I looked into it. And of course, you know, being a bit of a geeky researcher type, I didn't just read an article. I I, I went and looked at the academic research and the papers and see what they're saying. And it struck me. It's like, oh my gosh, all the descriptions of the symptoms of imposter syndrome are the same as the symptoms of conditional worth, right? It's clear that conditional worth drives all of imposter syndrome. So then I started you know, shifting my focus onto imposter syndrome. So I was doing the same kind of coach and it was kind of just generalised coaching. Um, But then I got excited by this neurofeedback, which is where we put... electrodes on people's brains <laughs> and measure their um, the brain waves, the, the electrical activity in their brain mm. as they're going through particular exercises, one of which is a, a letting go process. Mm. So from there, I wanted to understand why. So then I dived into all the academic research into the brain and, and how the brain works to try and explain to myself why. So I went through the neurofeedback process myself actually I went three times and then I trained as a trainer in that and then so that's where from after I'd done that that allowed me to develop this very systematic approach to changing the belief in conditional worth to one of unconditional worth Mm. and so that's what I have that's where I am now I have an eight week um eight module program that I work one-to-one with people and take them through this very systematic process, step by step, that gets them to feeling their unconditional worth.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And um I've got a question though that um kind of goes back to when you were, when you went to that first workshop that kind of changed path. What what was it that drove you to go to that workshop?
1: Uh a series of very strange events. <laughs> so, um, I'd had I'd had an experience with uh, a friend who was ill, and she was talking about everything, and I was feeling very sorry for her, and um, and my hands got hot. It was very strange. I'm like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> so then um you know nothing much happened and then i was reading a newspaper and then i was reading the sports section which i never do but there was a lifestyle bit about this one particular person who's who does you know this this development like this this deep level um development and then she referenced a a, a book so i went straight to the bookshop i bought the two books oh that started explaining anything this is a nice structure and that was the the book that came from the um the 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 school of holistic therapy that I went to okay and and then and then if that wasn't enough um I then found that there was a the next week when I went to their website the next week there was a workshop in my town this is when I was living in in America in Boston Massachusetts and and so okay and then if it wasn't enough a friend of mine who I hadn't talked to for 2 years said, "Hey, there's this workshop, you should come." And okay, okay, I'm going. <laughs> so I really felt and I know this, you know, you know some people don't feel like this, but I really felt I was led to it.
0: Mm, yeah. Mm. So there's a bit of uh, synchronicity going on.
1: Definitely the right word, yes.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. And then and so 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 you went from kind of um a very scientific, like classic, straight up and down, like let's make planes, let's make cars, let's make everything go faster, and let's bolt it together with metal and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, two, something, okay, based on science, but a bit less tangible and, and all that kind of thing. Um, what did people around you think, say, uh, what kind of feedback do you get pe- to get from people when you told them you were changing direction?
1: Well, um, so I I explained it. See, I think I presented it in a way that that was understandable, right? Because it's still about why, mm. right? Why do people act the way they do? Why do why do you know, air currents around a tyre dude <laughs> doesn't make a noise, you know, things like that. Hmm. It's still that driving why. So I think that was uh, uh, understandable. But no, the family thought I was insane. I was throwing away my, uh, you know, my career. I had a PhD in engineering, so I'd spent a lot of time and energy invested in my career. And um, and so they thought I was throwing away. And, and one of the problems in doing that it was stepping out of, um by that time a a a very well-paid senior position in a a software engineering company in in america and throwing all all away as they saw it i didn't see it as this because i just feel so much joy in the work i do Mm. that i you know i i can do the engineering i love to do the work that i'm doing and that's the difference for me
0: okay so um because that again, part of the reason why I asked that question is because I kind of err, yeah, what kind of wondered, but 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 oftentimes when people want to make a change, um, again, there's a kind of a limiting belief of some of some kind that, that that stops them from doing it, and sometimes that's based on like a fear of judgment or or or, or, or whatever it might be. So do you have any advice for people who might think do you know what? I think I found something but I, I but I'm scared to do it you know do, any advice for people who might be on the cusp of making a similar decision
1: yeah well it it was a it was a big it was a big jump for me and the reason is because I was so attached to you know <laughs> allocation for the money was very good mm. and, uh, and and so it's really hard to leave good money which is, you know, which you can just show up every day and do a routine kind of job for, mm. uh, to to effectively start your own business and, you know, no no safety net and anything like that. Mm. So if, if I'd had a financial safety net, I would have moved faster. So that'd be one thing, you know. Get and and the other is saying, I moved like cut off, <laughs> I just left. Do things part time. So you know, if you if you think you've got something that you might love to do, do a little bit of it. Do it in your spare time. Um, take a take a, a a day off from here, here and there, and just do that. And I think that's a we're talking about you know not triggering your nervous system. That's a way that keeps you less likely to um, to, to to get into the fear state in the fight, flight, free state. Hmm. That would be a more comfortable transition than mine.
0: <laughs> so, so, so what what fear, sort of fears do you experience then?
1: Um, that's a really good question because, you know, one of the things, as, as I said, is I've, I've done everything. <laughs> I, I've, I've been through all the processes that I take my clients so I, I know where they're going. So the, the fears, I have to kind of think. I think I still uh get a little fearful in a in a confrontational situation that's becoming a bit um you know it's it's moving towards phys- the physical violence but I think that's we should have that fear I think that's uh um you know it's it's not that we should be fearless it's it's that we should you know be fearful when it's appropriate when there is actually a a threat so that would probably be it so for example i I notice my nervous system get triggered if I have a near miss in a car or something like mm. that so mm. th- those those kind of things but in terms of doing things um i'm 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 thrilled and delighted to say they've they've kind of gone
0: okay why. Wow and And did you have fears before going through all these processes?
1: Yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, so um one of uh the you know fears fears of being wrong mm-hmm.
0: right
1: and so when you when you fear fear that you're wrong, then that can slow you down. You might not want to do a podcast and talk about all your stuff in case you make a mistake, for example, mm. um you might you know decline an award maybe you <laughs> know because somebody might then challenge you you might not write a book because you know somebody might disagree with you the same about you know posting into on, on on the internet on linkedin all these kind of things yeah
0: yeah okay so so don't 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 be don't be fearless than, but but don't be fearless but fear less
1: very nicely put, Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, we should be afraid, yeah. right? In certain situations, we should be afraid. That's part of our, our system, and there it's always going to trigger us, and we must. Mm. Um, otherwise, you know, there's there's um, ah, uh, I think his name's Alex Holt, but I'm not, not sure of that. He's a free climber. I don't know if you've seen him. He's oh, done yes, yeah, he climbs with no ropes and just, mm. yeah. He had his brain scanned, and he has um, a, a problem in his amygdala, which is the bit that triggers "Hey, this is dangerous." That it's dialed right down, so he doesn't feel the fear that other, you know, people would normally feel about, you know, climbing, you know, in, in difficult, dangerous climbs. Um, and because his, his uh, amygdala is kind of dialed down so much, he doesn't feel much so he he gets a little bit of you know excitement from it rather than you know so many people be terrified by it mm. so yeah the the appropriate levels of fear is is um very good for us
0: yeah yeah sure yeah um it's uh, it's interesting isn't it because because I sometimes find that uh the 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 physical element of of um, of fear, or um, it might not always be fear actually, but it it could be um, either fear or embarrassment or or whatever it might be, will happen. Um, and so, for, say for example, I could be in a conversation with somebody. I might be being really brave and saying something really bold and perhaps a bit controversial, but something that I really believe in. Um, and I can feel myself um, get getting hot you know uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and and uh and I don't expect it I don't actually feel um emotionally kind of challenged in the situation but my body is telling me that I should I should be it seems
1: that's it so your amygdala so yeah. which is below the le- radar of your thinking if you like your amygdala is saying hey this is, this might be dangerous right right so you know Get, make making that statement might get you rejected, right? Mm. On, on this on this very deep primal level, yeah.
0: That's interesting.
1: So so you know you can have those fears and not recognize it as fear, and that's one of the things with imposter syndrome is this is why people don't recognize that that it's a belief in conditional worth because it's. All they see is the symptoms, the thoughts, the, the physical reactions, like you just said, or the behaviours that they're they're doing. The procrastination they just can't seem to get out of.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, why do people fear success?
1: Um, so, lots lots of reasons. Like, so it's there's not just one. So, um, some of the reasons are: if I'm successful, then people are going to expect me to do even more, and I've worked so hard that I cannot conceive of working even harder so I I don't want to go to the edge of my capacity because people are going to push me over the edge right so that's that's one of them. Um, another fear of being success a uh, uh, success is um, what the Australians call the tall poppy syndrome uh, what what we in the UK talk about putting your head above the parapet if you stand out then people are going to attack you right people are going to try and knock you down um so there are two reasons why you wouldn't be um wouldn't want to be successful mm. why you would fear being successful and then part of it can also be you know imposter syndrome you don't really believe you're successful so maybe you don't go for that promotion so you don't get challenged so if nobody will come in and say oh, you know what we shouldn't have hired you <laughs> get out <laughs> yeah. which you know is part of the fear as well
0: mm. okay and looking at it from perhaps a slightly different perspective, uh, do you have a view on what it is that creates happiness?
1: So, in the 1950s, right, the, one of the granddaddies of personal psychology was asking exactly that question, right? What causes people to be happy? The ultimate quest for the ultimate cause of happiness. And what he came up with is if they believe their worth is unconditional. So what we're talking about here goes right back to him. Okay. Right. He knew the answer before we even knew what imposter syndrome was, before we had all the brain science to prove all of it. So he had the answer back in the nineteen fifties.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So um I can't I can't believe that was the answer to that question. <laughs> I didn't, didn't realise it was gonna connect. Connect and, and enclose the loop. <laughs>
1: Has he, has, he, has he read my book
0: <laughs> I haven't actually most much, much of my shame most of my shame but um, no no',
1: no it's, quite, it's quite all right it's just in there so I, I thought I thought maybe maybe you had yeah okay yeah.
0: well there you so, go so
1: the, the book I published before was um called unmasking is the coach's guide to imposter syndrome okay So it's to help coaches work with people on the neuroregulation on on the on the addressing the symptoms part that, that we talked about mm-hmm. um interesting the neuroscience is all in the uh, in the next
0: book. Okay, cool. Right, so you're going to go go you're going to go real deep in the next book. Cool. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And that, there's always a question that um uh, that, that that kind of pops up in my mind about because we talked a bit about beliefs. So, um and and I and I've, I've been very focused on values. So there've been there've been two things that I've been focused on, I suppose from from my own point of view, like I say uh, your, your mental and emotional state and, and my values um so but i've been interested i've been interested in in, and trying to work out what what kind of comes first is it your values or or your beliefs
1: very interesting okay um so there are different kinds of beliefs right There there are there are beliefs about our our world right that you know you're crossing the road and the pavement will support your weight Right. And it's a belief because you can act on it automatically. You don't have to think about it. And that's that's the purpose of us to having beliefs. It's kind of shortcut for thinking. It's either an opinion we've had before and we decided it's true or an experience like physical experience that we learned through growing up, like the road is safe. Or it's something like the unconditional worth, conditional worth belief that's right deep down. So there's different there's different kinds of beliefs. Um, your values are I think things that resonate with you so it will still be a part so all of these beliefs if you like form the internal model of your your world right and so what you value can be linked to what you associate your worth with so um this is why when high achievers experience imposter syndrome more so than most is because they start to identify with their jobs, they start to identify with themselves and the job that they do. Uh, and we even we even see it with kids when we say, you know, we don't say, "Do you want to do firefighting?" No, you say, "Do you want to be a fireman, a firewoman?" Right? So we, 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 we're we're in, we're instilling it. All right. So I think the the values are very closely linked to. Um, our worth but unfortunately our worth is measured um on the unconscious level so we don't have as much access to it so now with the values we can say okay this is something that is worthwhile so you can see the connection kind kind of related you know my values are things that i would feel like a good person to be doing so there's a, an element of that um but what i haven't seen is People changing their values when they change from conditional to unconditional worth in my work. Mm. So what tends to happen is they they, you know, lose a lot of the the fear and then they step into more of their true values, Mm. right? So they'll step more into, like, for example, a leader wants to be a good leader. And what I've seen is that when they when the stress of worrying about their performance and what's going on, and you know what other people are going to think and judge about them, then they naturally want to help other people. They naturally want, they naturally start mentoring the people who work for them. Um, and this is, you know, we talk about the fight, flight, and freeze state. Well, the, the positive side of that is something called the social engagement state, or what I call the friend state. And that is where people feel safe right? So they're not in fear, they feel safe. And from that, they're naturally sociable, they're naturally cooperative, right? We, we are a society-based species. And so our natural willingness to, uh, and desire to help other people to, to be connected, to make a difference in the people's lives, those all come bubbling up once you've removed remo- the fear part of it. And I think the values are, are in there, but I don't think there's a hard line that distinguishes values from beliefs
0: okay that's interesting that's int- I've said I must have said that's interesting so many times in this conversation because <laughs> because it's all it's all been fascinating I suppose i have kind of always seen values as a kind of a um uh a pretty a pretty um core kind of intrinsic thing and I know they come from a bit from your experience um and all of that but they kind of embed fairly deeply and um and then and then you're your beliefs then kind of seem seem to flow from your values but but when you then translate that into okay so what kind of results do you want to achieve the beliefs can either limit your progress or they can or they can project you forward towards the results or outcomes you want and that can be in any scenario business scenario relationships you know for your own health and fitness all those sorts of things so um so from the point of view of where to focus um uh, to, to, to make a change, I guess, one, it's really understanding your values and what are the things that you value and, um, almost in what kind of order. And then, and then the beliefs around that. Okay. So how are your beliefs around, around that helping you to move forwards or are they holding you back? And in which case then can you find a different way of looking at the world to, to evolve that, to kind of enable you to create a different reality for yourself?
1: Yeah, so I like that, but the beliefs that you're talking about there are the beliefs of things like opinion, of beliefs of thought, beliefs beliefs of conclusion, rather than the belief of work and at worth. And I think this is why it's, it's not cut and dried because the belief, the word belief, is imprecise. Hmm. Um, in the work that I do, after we've changed the belief from conditional to unconditional worth, hmm. we then have a section. On values and digging into your values and 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 allowing them to um, uh, bubble up, and then like manifest more in your life. Mm. Um, but that's really only really effective because we've done the wor- worth belief work first.
0: Fantastic. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Cool. Wow. Well, we've been talking for for a little while now, and um, and I'm I'm just conscious that um, that you know. Unless we're going to record about four podcast episodes, we, I probably I probably should ask you some concluding questions, and we can always come back and talk again because it's been a fascinating conversation. It really, really has. So, mm-hmm. so this podcast is called "People with Purpose." Uh, mm-hmm. How how would you describe your purpose in life?
1: My purpose in life is um, to free people from suffering. The, the Buddhists have this phrase, may, may all beings be free from suffering. And that one just speaks so much to me. I mean, it gives me goosebumps every time. I, I mean, I have goosebumps every time I hear it. It's just so pertinent. And, and that is what I'm doing. And, and the work that I'm doing the way it is now is I'm helping people get past the completely unnecessary suffering that imposter syndrome and conditional worth causes and to help them have a happier life.
0: Fantastic, and so and where do you think that purpose comes from for you?
1: At the age of thirteen, I wanted to help people. I wanted I was interested in why people think the way they do and how people's brains work, or minds work, and um, it, it's it's more like it just just resonates. Um, I can't think of anything that I can say. I can't think of any event that said, oh, this event made me. It's 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 an underlying underlying thing. Mm. Yeah. So maybe it is a deep value. I don't know. But that is what makes me do the work that I do rather than loads of other, you know, loads of other jobs that I can do. Mm. So I, I get I get so much pleasure, so much sense of privilege to witness people make, going through these transformations and the, the, so much joy in seeing how people's lives change dramatically in this kind of work that uh, I think why I, there's no way I'd want to do anything else <laughs> so that's why it feels like my purpose
0: yeah yeah and that is amazing, and and that is very, you know, it's a very very good point. You know, this kind of, you, you said you wanted to be a, a psychologist uh, when when you got got to thirteen, and you know, you, you you took a different path for 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 a number of years, but then yeah. then it came back. So um, so yeah, so it, that that demonstrates a couple of things. One, you know, um, I suppose, listen um, listen to those. Childhood kind of signals and messages. So, if you're looking for your purpose and you're trying to work out, okay. So, uh, and even if purpose sounds a bit grand, if you're looking for your mission or your focus or your um, or, or whatever it is, then um, then yeah. So, so think about those childhood signals because they can sometimes have um, have have some influence for you. And also, the other thing it goes to prove is it it's never too late to uh, to to go to that and to to return to that thought and and, and give it a go.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think, and I would add to that also because I, um, I experience things quite physically, kinesthetically. So watch out for the things that that make you go, oh, "Wow!" Right? Watch out for the awe. Watch out for the goosebumps. Watch out for these these you know huge waves of emotion, relief, excitement, those kind of things because they're going to be a clue as well to really what what brings you joy and what then fills you with motivation to do the whatever work it is
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah cool and yeah absolutely and for the for the visuals you know there that there are the signs and for the uh, for the auditory people there are the there are the signs and, and all of that and so where what if you can yeah get a bit of an understanding of of how you um uh, you know, g- like to receive information from the outside world, then yeah, that can be that can be a really good source of clues, can't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and in any any kind of self awareness work, the first part is paying attention, just notice, and just get curious, rather than rather than making it this kind of big, heavy. You must have a purpose, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and and now it's something that you have to figure out with your with your head. No, pay pay attention to just how you are interacting with the world around you, and what what moves you. Hmm. Okay.
0: awesome. Well, listen, Ty, it's been absolutely brilliant uh, speaking with you. Thank you so much. I would love to decant your knowledge. You're obviously very, 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 very well read, and uh, and and so uh, and it's great that you're putting uh, putting that intellectual and emotional capacity to to such good. Good work. So, if people want to find out more about what you're doing and, and want to get in touch with you, how can they go about doing that?
1: So, uh, my website is complete success, all one uk and I'm on LinkedIn. I post a lot on LinkedIn, and that's Tara Halliday PhD.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on People with Purpose.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Dave.
0: Thanks for listening to People with Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.